everyone and welcome to the Tulizane podcast. I'm your host, Triza Kiguta. Tulizane is a word from Kiswahili meaning let's talk. And in this podcast, we talk about issues that affect Africa and how we can be more involved in making up our envisioned better Africa of the future. So join us, welcome, and let's talk. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Tulizane Podcast, Tulizane, an Afro-optimistic space. Today we have with us Jeremy. Jeremy is a photojournalist. He's going to tell us a little bit about his journey and his story. Um, We like Jeremy because he has a very optimistic way of looking at the world. And if you engage with his content, you'll be able to see that it's just not the Kawaida thing that is out there. He has a vision and we're excited to see where he takes it. So Jeremy, thanks for being with us today and welcome. Say hello, maybe give us a little bit of your bio for the audience. So uh, Jeremy is not a photojournalist, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, Jeremiah Onyango is a 22-year-old uh, documentary photographer born and raised in Kibra. Uh, what I do is I document the everyday life of the residents of Kibra in a humane, introspective way uh, and just trying to show uh, a normalcy that is otherwise not looked as normal things by the rest of the world, but uh, a normalcy that is a normal thing for the residents of Kibra. And more importantly, trying to shed off the stereotypes that have been put uh, for that said environment knowingly or unbeknowingly. So I walk through the lens of Jeremy is trying to bring compassion to the world through telling stories of different individuals and walking you through the everyday life experiences of these same individuals. And are you focusing specifically on Kibera individuals or is it where you're starting off for now? Uh, unfortunately, all my work should be revolving around Kibera because that's where my artistic eye stems from. Those are the people that sit at my kitchen counter as an artist. Although I'd still tell stories about other places, but for me, uh, I so much relate to the stories of Kibra people. So I feel if I did that, I'd do it from a place of uh, relatability and a place of knowing how to report their stories without bias. Oh, wow. Um, so first of all, let me apologize. You're not a photojournalist. I did get it wrong. But ah, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I think in our conversations we've been having that kind of talk about um, the misunderstanding of photography in Kenya and how your work sometimes might be overlooked as art. Would you like to maybe... First of all, correct me and say it's not photojournalism. <laughs> what word are you using? No, uh, there's, a, there's a thin line between photojournalism, documentary photography, and uh, editorial photography. Uh, the thing is that they all tell stories, but even documentary photography uh, needs you uh, to be an artist before you are a photographer. By an artist, I mean you have to communicate in a way that you feel 
uh, these people will relate to what I do and these people will relate to how I report my, my stories and my photo my photography. Uh, for photojournalism, it's more of uh, the real-time events. And that's why I say I'm not a photojournalist because I don't know how to document uh, and even show whatever is happening real because I need to go back and feel that I'm at home with this shot. Uh, so uh, I don't really know how you mean that photography is often overlooked uh, by people, but photos have always been important. It's only unfortunate that a lot of people only need photographers when they're having their little parties back at home. Uh, but if if you consider yourself an artist before you're a photographer, then you will understand why your photography is important and how you should relay the kind of information that you're looking to give out. I see, I see. And I, I think, am I right in saying that it's in the storytelling aspect of it? You're not just giving a day-to-day -day recount, you're going delving deeper into the stories of the people and 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 having a, a documentary kind of focused lens, to use the word, but like an overall perspective of of what you are photographing. Is that, am I making sense? Uh, the storytelling bit of it uh, is what makes a documentary photographer a photographer. Uh. Uh, it's important that you live home with the stories other than just going on with the images. Ooh. So for a documentary photographer, you have to tell the stories, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's important to get home with the stories rather than to get home just with the images. Yeah, because uh, your photography is a record of happenings that will never happen again. Ooh. Or even if they happen, they might not happen as the first time we witness them. So if you try to alter, you might not uh, have that recorded history at the same moment. So interesting. So now I I just want to maybe go backwards a little bit and ask you like this sounding, you know, in very deep interest in, in photography that you have. Can you can you tell us about how you started photography and how how did you end up in that kind of photography, you know, where you're creating images with a difference? So uh, my my photography journey uh, is quite different. Uh, so uh, I decided I wanted to be a photographer when my uncle was getting married. So he used to be like the family photographer. But then I, I was in, I think, class seven. Mm -hmm. So I was there chilling. Uh, and then uh, that day, he wasn't carrying his camera around. Instead, he was carrying a ring. <laughs> Oh, yeah. so, because you're used to him being the photographer. So I, he was like the family photographer then. Yeah. Uh, along the way, I've always been uh, fascinated by how he did the images. So that day I asked him, Uncle, uh, can I carry your camera uh, to your wedding? And then he said, uh, unfortunately, the camera got spoiled. Uh -huh. uh, so I just went there, uh, but it was a camera uh, his friend came with. Okay. So I tried uh, using the camera and then I didn't really think that I wanted to, to become a photographer then. But uh, now that I'm thinking about it, that was the first time that I ever held a camera and maybe the interest came out. Wow. So the second time was when uh, I met Sadat. Uh, so Sadat has been like a brother, a father, mm -hmm. a blueprint to what I do and uh, a mentor. Uh, he's been uh, one of the guys that I've always looked up to, I've always gone to, and sometimes uh, he has always acted as my emotional cushion mm -hmm. whenever I am not feeling well. Mm -hmm. At least uh, 
it can be comfortable enough for me to dump mm-hmm. anything that <laughs> is not okay with me. So uh, I met Sadat uh, in 2017. Uh, Sadat was already, if not so established a uh, photographer, but he did understand how he wanted to do photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I met him and then I I, I told him uh, from the jump, hey, I love the camera and I'd love for you to teach me mm-hmm. how to use a camera. And then mm-hmm. the first, I remember he, I, he came back and asked me, uh, what style of photography do you want to do? Uh-huh. I didn't know that photography had different genres. So I just told him, hey man, I, I, I want to take photos of people. Uh-huh. Uh, so he gave me the camera and then he told me, this is how you press a shutter. Uh, so the first shot I took was uh, of a lady in Kibra uh, alongside a kid lighting a jiko. So he told me, uh, this shot that you've taken is a documentary style photography. So I was in high school then. Oh. Uh, I went back to school thinking about documentary style photography my entire <laughs> my entire year before I finished uh, high school. I always thought about documentary style photography. So you were but, in which class? Which, which I was high in uh, Oreo Boys High School. It's in Oma Bay. Uh-huh. Uh, you so were in which form? I was in form two then. Oh, okay. So I had like two years to think about what documentary photography is. <laughs> So actually, you there's, that's that's part of the questions that I wanted to ask you because um, I've been reading about and there's a blogger she's called and now she's a professor. I mean, she's a professor, but she she writes a, a lot about art in this country, um, Dr. Wandia Joya, and she says, you know, we need more art. Like I'm summarizing here, but mm-hmm. her emphasis is always like we need more art in our curriculums and. You went to school thinking of photojournalism. Was there in school a place you could go to? To sorry, not photojournalism, but um, okay, documentary, okay. <laughs> documentary photo, documentary, yeah, documentary photography, documentary photography. You went to school thinking about it, and you know, you wanted to know more about it. I'm assuming was there an avenue for you in school to learn about it? So our school didn't have arts. Oh. Unfortunately, uh, instead, uh, where I, I thought that would fit me as a, a storyteller, I joined the journalism club as an editor. Mm-hmm. And then I, I used to do spoken word when uh-huh. I was in school. So my artistic self was there, but more, I needed to get a hold of a camera. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the school didn't have that curriculum. Uh, so you're just there uh, pressing, pushing, uh, hoping that the days move faster you finish and then you just go out and uh, decide to do uh what you like doing yeah uh it would have been different if the school had such an avenue then i i believe i'd have gotten uh, insights and uh be been in a better position that i am now i'm not complaining i'm in a better position <laughs> but at least uh if it's something that can be emulated by the system i think right now it's coming because we have cbc and the likes, but uh, if we add it uh, then, I believe uh, it will have been a bit different for me. Yes, it's different in terms of the journey that uh, you took. The journey, the experience, uh-huh. and even uh, I believe we'd have had cameras, so uh-huh. <laughs> my trigger happiness <laughs> would be dead before I uh, I moved out of uh, high school. 
are you saying that you think do you feel like your your passion would have died with that your trigger happiness is dying is that dying with your passion or are you just I saying think if, if 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 the trigger happiness went then the passion would have also gone because oh. yeah, you need to constantly be with the camera okay or even you need to constantly be with your pen and paper writing so okay. if you don't have uh, such kind of resources uh, then that means that your passion is also dying because you you try to compensate it with other stuff that's interesting but um so what would you say is the case is it because now you still ended up you know right now this is the main thing it's your passion it's what's driving you and the course of where you want to go and are we saying would it do you feel like you, a part of you would have benefited from having a more formal education about about this kind of journey into a a, a way of work you know I, i'm thinking that we want and eventually to <laughs> to make <laughs> get, some money I get, I get. <laughs> of course the the best feeling of an artist is to live off the craft mm-hmm. if you can't be able to uh, make money out of what you do then mm-hmm. maybe it's one of those times that people will say Jeremy is that is that kind of photographer who made it mm-hmm. but even uh, more importantly you we tend to say that you do it for passion uh you do it uh, to communicate as an artist and maybe do it to let out uh your emotions or even show people that this is how my happiness looks like this is how my rainy days looks like and uh, maybe this is the ideal world that mm. i want to live in so mm. you more you be it's it's more like world building so you you build your world and show people this is how i i have envisioned this kind of world to be mm. uh if i i got in uh, that formal experience and everything I, i think it would have been better because now uh that means that all these workshops that i have always tried to attend after high school at least i'd have gotten much much more experience before all these times that i i struggle now to you know people are uh, artists will tell you that we are struggling to find our style <laughs> so it's yeah, yeah I, i think it will have been better for me to have uh, a few more years before to try and find that style but again i'm not complaining everything happens for a reason so maybe yeah. for me it was you will go and get whatever you are looking for after you are done Is there even employers really in the game for artists? Is it a is it a is it a field that you go into for employment or is it uh, It always starts uh, by saying that you are in it for your own. But remember as an artist if you don't have any other thing you're doing on the side uh-huh. you also invest in yourself and in your craft. Mm. So you will need money to subscribe for these softwares. Mm. you need money to upgrade your gear mm. you need money to facilitate your movements to your personal projects mm. but more importantly yeah it's that now those people who consume your art are willing to pay for your art i'm going to put a presumption <laughs> here maybe yeah. things have changed <laughs> is that the case are people willing to pay for artists work especially now we also have to include in in the aspect of ai who's coming into the creative space yeah. in a certain way what does that mean for artists, for artists and, uh, and living off your art i think from from where i see it uh 
we are trying to to marry this AI thing into our 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 lives too fast. Let's Ooh. give it time. Let's give it time. Uh, let's give it time. A, a lot of us are complaining about it, mm-hmm. and maybe it might be beneficial, mm-hmm. and it might not be beneficial. But uh, what I'll say about it is that for me to 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 be so compelling with my art, it's because there's that human connection in what I do. Mm-hmm. So when the human connection is missing, you might not really want to go back to that art. Mm. Unfortunately, AI doesn't have that human connection. How did you come about to like stories, not only in the photography sense, but you're also writing about it? It's a mix of the two, which I find really interesting. How did you come about that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think, uh, not really to think, but uh, I've always uh, liked writing and uh, I always want whoever is reading, uh, whatever I've written, has to work the journey with me. Mm-hmm. So uh, writing and photography for me is a way that I can uh, I can communicate, uh, but more importantly, I can show you, uh, I, I can take uh, you through how my my world looks like. Uh, so when I when I go to the field to photograph someone, I, I will get the image. It's it's very important that you make the image. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the first thing. But uh, what will make someone now want to meet this person that I've photographed? And then uh, what will make you want to meet me, Jeremy, as the photographer? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I, I, I now want to write a bit of the stories of uh, the subjects. Mm-hmm. Or that's when I, I would want to create a fictional character <laughs> out of what I do. But uh, in, a, in relation to the person I have photographed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for storytelling, it's because also I, I'm trying to, to fall in love with the languages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's also a training for me to, be, to become a better writer. It's also a training for me to become a better photographer. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it's, a, it's something that I do for you guys to find respite in, for you guys to read and relax. Uh, oh. Those times when you don't have something that you're doing uh, on your Sunday afternoon. You've had uh, those kind of bad days. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've always wanted to do uh, a kind of writing, a kind of uh, photography that will make you relax and forget about your grief for a moment. I think, well, yes, I agree. I think you're definitely on the right path with that. What has been your favorite part about it so far? My favorite part is that I photograph a lot of elder and older people. Mm-hmm. So they've always made it easy for me. <laughs> How? Uh, considering considering I, I am a young person, I, I find that older people are always willing to share with the young people. They they see you as... I think they're always trying to make sure you don't maybe uh, do what they've done or mm-hmm. even maybe you don't find yourself in a position that they found themselves in. Or maybe they want to, they want to manifest a good life mm. that they envisioned growing up through you. Mm. So for me, it has always been very exciting and easy to tell uh, stories of older people. So when you look through my Instagram, it's always older people, <laughs> older people and older people. Uh, also, it's them that are, uh, 
I might see growing old as a distant thing, but day by day, I, I, I'm almost getting to that age. <laughs> so uh, again, it's trying to find a coping mechanism of what will I do when I, I, I grow old. Uh, so for me, this is like uh, my personal journal. So I know one of the things that I will do when I, when I get old is read the stories that I've been writing and look at the photographs that I've been making of people. Uh, so it's it's that and then maybe just now uh trying to 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 tell their stories and to find that uh that uh that societal uh point of view that people don't usually look at because mm. uh, we are so much uh fixated in the now that we forget uh that whatever we are experiencing now Maybe people experience it way better than us. Just as they say, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> there's nothing new under the sun. And you're learning this through... Through photography. Through photography, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially of photographing somebody outside of your generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, I read somewhere your last born. <laughs> I don't remember telling you that. <laughs> That's why I and said I don't I read remember. It. I don't remember writing that. <laughs> Am I wrong? Uh, wow, I think <laughs> I'm that kid uh, that uh, my mom trusts with that mom money. So, <laughs> so if that uh, makes someone a last one, then <laughs> I think I can comfortably uh, hold uh, their cards and uh, try to remember their their pin numbers for them and of course the emphasis pin <laughs> <laughs> yeah my last one um out of how many three uh so a last one uh three and they're the only boy because i have two sisters okay but they are they are way older oh okay yeah so um, growing up in that position in the family does that make it easier for you to talk to the elder people? I was just wondering if it's because you've had so much practice all your life yeah. that it's just coming. It's not, it's not, it, it doesn't make it easier to talk to the elder people because you're used to people running errands for you, people doing stuff for you, people asking you, hey, Jeremy, have you eaten? Come get food. Oh. <laughs> uh, you, you are used to sitting, relaxing, and uh, literally getting everything done. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. Uh, it's not always like that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Because now them, they are older, older. So yeah. I, I have to do these things for myself now. Mm-hmm. But when I was young, at least I used to experience that uh, that baby boy treatment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, after they cleared school, uh-huh. I, I, I've had to do these things for my own. So maybe that has been a preparation to, to now uh, get to do this stuff. And of course, being someone who, who likes asking questions, yeah. uh, who likes talking, so the same question uh, I'll ask my folks is the same one uh, I'll go and ask a stranger outside because uh, I, I always want to know if it's the same thing that I've seen my mm-hmm. mom go through, mm-hmm. my dad go through. Is it the same thing that my neighbor is going through mm-hmm. or is it the same thing that I would also go through? <laughs> so it's always just the conversation now trying to to find a way that, oh, so... It's not only our family that's going through this. Mm. Again, now coming from uh, an environment like Kibra, mm-hmm. you get that there's a lot of things happening uh, across those. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not only happening in your home. Because mm-hmm. uh, 
the proximity of the houses also it's very clear so you are most likely uh, going to hear uh, if these people today are fighting you'll hear <laughs> if these people are happy yeah, yeah. yeah. if mm. these people are cooking chapels you are going to be invited <laughs> uh, if they are it's it's that so you you get to to see everything yeah. and also just hear everything and they they also hear everything happening in your house yeah uh, so to some extent you will want to uh volume down your tv <laughs> and no follow the program through uh the neighbors tv because <laughs> you find yourself watching the same program <laughs> but no uh, so, oh. uh, so you don't really need to to use your <laughs> uh, so yeah it's, it's it's that okay so so you find yourself in close proximity you your neighbors are people who have you lived next to the same people the whole No not, not. Mm-hmm. but uh we moved uh we we've had to switch uh villages in Kibra because there are eight villages so where i started it's, it's it's not the same place i am right now so we have had to live like in three different villages in Kibra okay but the life is the same all uh, the life is the same so you get uh if i used to play soccer down there yeah <laughs> soccer is still a big thing this other side yeah it's the same but now uh what makes it different is now this other experience that you get from outside mm-hmm. uh, this uh now through interacting with people outside your community and and environment you get different things and i'm not i'm not trying to you know put flavoring on it but the impression especially you know we had the protests Mandamano yeah, and they yeah, passed sure. through Kibera and I remember you went you went to take photos during that protest and again your photos were emotional in the sense that you were taking the people who actually live there but maybe not participating in the protest because other photos we saw were participating in the protest but this was more of the after effects and the lives who are actually having to come back the next day and clean up that mess and for me that was giving a perspective that highlights more than just that person's mourning in rebuilding but but the whole aspect of people being used for other avenues or for for yeah. for, yeah, for yeah. other powers I, I, how I can you speak understand, you understand the yeah, question yeah, understand. living from there and you're giving us a different way of looking at kibera than we are normally given i think uh it's also because uh when when i say uh if you've been following my 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 post Mm-hmm. so the the kind of project i do is it's called kibra a folded map mm-hmm. so by folded map I, uh, it's exactly what you've said uh i felt like uh, some people were using the residents of kibra for their convenience mm-hmm. so they only come and and unfold kibra mm-hmm. when they think this said community will work for me mm-hmm. for instance the mandawano mm-hmm. so people will only call you out uh to go to the streets because they think this works for me now mm-hmm. and the protests were on Tuesdays mm-hmm. and Thursdays so how do we do uh what do we do on Saturdays on Mondays yeah <laughs> uh, what do we do on Wednesdays 
Uh-huh. And then what do you do at night when the protests are done? Yeah. Mm, so for me, uh, it has been, it, it has always been communicating that sometimes I get it right. Uh-huh. Uh, most of the times I don't get it right. <laughs> but I, I want to, to tell people that uh, you can come to Kibra on Wednesday and feel safe. Mm. And you can also come to Kibra on the same day of the protest and feel that these people are going out to the streets, not because someone has called them, but because they, be, they believe that out of this thing, our sorrows, our concerns, our happiness, and even our joys will be expressed. Because uh, with the current state uh, of the nation, mm. everything is it's unilateral. I believe uh, whatever I'm facing uh, down in Kibra is what you are facing wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So if I go out to the streets, maybe you might not go out because you can afford uh, that in the next three days. Mm-hmm. And me from where I am, I can afford it only that day. So going uh, to the street means that I'm looking to uh, be in a position where I can comfortably afford whatever I seek in three or four days. Wow. Uh, so uh, sometimes what we do uh, is just try to show these people that whatever we want, uh, it's because we are also uh, in the shoes of those people who lack. Mm. Uh, so uh, when we go out, uh, we are going out because we believe whatever we are fighting for uh, will be had and addressed. Uh, so that's one way. <laughs> the other way is that, uh, I'll be honest, because uh, the other way is that uh, this thing is a fun thing to do. Protesting. Uh, yeah, protesting. <laughs> it's a fun thing to so do. So we admit it. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> if if you are there, uh, part of it you will see and notice. Yeah. I remember when I was young, uh, uh, th- th- there had been uh, several protests in Kibera. So this is way, way before uh, I, I got insights and even decided that I'm going to do documentary photography. I attended uh, a few protests okay. uh, for fun times. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, uh, you know, the way uh, uh, people, of course it's Baba, so. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then people called Kibra uh, Raila's bedroom. <laughs> uh, so we needed to at least uh, sweep the bedroom clean. <laughs> so uh, that's why people, again, it's a broader conversation. Uh, I don't know if you're comfortable <laughs> if you get into it. I am very comfortable uh, if you're comfortable because it's so, your conversation. Uh, an artist uh, mm-hmm. is someone who who addresses other issues that they see day mm-hmm. to day. Uh, an artist, more specifically, who does human-centered stories, is one looking to create awareness uh, mm. about the things that are, are going to the the everyday happenings, uh, essentially. But again, more importantly, someone who does uh, social impact stories is one looking to make a change. Mm-hmm. So when we try to to show Kibra stories, and more specifically, uh, do such kind of stories, uh, it's because even us from where we sit, we understand what lacking means. Mm-hmm. And uh, from our day-to-day interactions, we see what these people lack mm-hmm. and what they need. So uh, when we post an image and say that uh, food, the cost of living is high, it's because we know the cost of living is high. Uh, when you go and do a story uh, and talk about people 
enjoying football. It's because, you know, these people are enjoying football. We are not trying to to just show it mm. uh, uh, in the sense that you people need to see that, ah, uh, there's this guy throwing a tear gas to the police <laughs> or there's this guy who scored uh, an trick or even mm-hmm. there's this uh, mad fashion designer from Kibra because we know this person is a fashion designer from Kibra. Yeah. This person plays football from Kibra and this kid went to protest from Kibra. It's the same uh, energy with all this. Some people will go to the streets because they're going to be paid 200 bob. Uh, if they sit down mm-hmm. and decide to relax, mm-hmm. they won't afford unga for that day. They will miss out yeah. on that meal. So they'd rather just go get the the 200, yeah. pray that they come back home yeah. alive, not wounded, and afford unga. So for them... Uh, it might be some sort of semi-employment, <laughs> if that makes sense. Other people, I think, uh, again, we always say that uh, there are few mad people <laughs> in, in our market. So other people also take advantage. Those are characters that we cannot like uh, totally weave out, mm. but people also take advantage. Other mm. people look at it as, as a form of employment. I'm saying that because I've been in the streets and I've had people say that, let me just go, uh, take this 200, Bob. I think my family will not go without food if I went and came back. But uh, it's it's a bad thing uh, for the state of the nation. Unfortunately, yeah. that is another conversation you can't get into <laughs> now. I think, well, I think there are conversations worth having. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I think definitely we need more people to actually come out and say, you know, <laughs> I've been to a few protests and these are the real reasons yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why we're protesting other than being called out to protest and we're being marked as... Yeah. So for them, they might not be hard. And yeah. then now, that's where people like me come in. Yes. Yeah. So that's where people like me uh, would go to the field mm. and uh, photograph the most random stuff, but still just uh, try and caption it and say, mm. these people are going to the streets because they be, they believe the cost of living is high. These people are going to the streets because uh, the living conditions around are not good. Mm. These people are going to the streets because maybe mm-hmm. they need their education improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need roads built, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for them, uh, they're only allowed to let it out uh, at that moment. And then for us, it's a continuous conversation now. So I remember in COVID times, you know, work stopped and there became this word uh, that came into, you know, popular discourse of essential workers. And, and the people who turned out to be the essential workers ended up being the people who normally society doesn't think of as essential workers. They actually call them (laughs) casual laborers sometimes or, you know, not the essential ones. But now you're talking and I'm feeling like you're the essential politician. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, sometimes when you do human-centered stories, the art will make you uh, talking in this way. The art will make you want to change stuff. But uh, I've always said that you need not separate yourself from the artist. Because ah, Jeremy might be an, a, a totally different person outside photography. But this kind mm. of work will make you an activist. Mm-hmm. So you will want to use your art as an activist. 
mm-hmm. unfortunately, because sometimes you get into the field and the kind of stories that you go back home with are very touching. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you, you feel touched, you will want to enter into your pockets and then you remember, so if I give it out, I'm mm-hmm. also in this <laughs> chain <laughs> of oh. not affording stuff, so uh, it might make you add. But when you do human-centered stories, they are, they, you become some sort of an activist. Mm. Uh, so you will want to to express uh, some sort of uh, activism through your art. Mm-hmm. And even when you talk, you, you're always geared towards social impact. And every, again, for me, it's because I, uh, I have uh, a bit of uh, social advocacy history. Tell us uh, about it. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where do I start? I think I used to be... Uh, my school president, uh, the school president in primary, so at least okay. that bred me into, uh, into a bit of politics, although I don't like it. Oh. <laughs> and then a bit of uh, volunteering work I've done uh, in Kibra mm-hmm. has been uh, with organizations that are geared towards using young people for social impact. Okay. Uh, so that's why sometimes I might be a bit political mm-hmm. uh, with the kind of work I put out. But again, I believe it's important that we show uh, we show concern with what we do and even more importantly, paint uh, an ideal future that we want. Because if we don't do it, we will come and do it for us. And if we don't tell our stories, you said there's a danger to it, isn't it? Yeah, there's always a danger to a single story. Mm, <laughs> yeah, so you have to... You, you have to... You have to speak the world for yourself. Mm. I believe so. Uh, if you let someone else come and speak the world for yourself, they might alter your story. Especially with uh, photography. Uh, I'll talk about photography because I'm in that field. Sometimes portraits lie. <laughs> wow. I yeah. mean, sometimes. it sounds very obvious, but please tell us a bit more. <laughs> sometimes, what do you mean? Yo, sometimes portraits lie. You will look at an image. And then uh, think that uh, at the time of photography, uh, this portrait of Teresa will show that she was homeless, mm. that she, she has gone without food. Mm. But maybe that moment you are deep into your thoughts. You just needed some time for yourself. And then the, the photographer comes in, mm-hmm. gets a very intimate and compelling portrait. Mm-hmm. And then the story that goes with it is a totally different story. But from where you sit, you are just in the moment of that. You just wanted some time to think and maybe your eyes just sank in Kidogo. <laughs> and then someone will think that, wow, so this person is not is, is going through it. Yeah. There are those times. Yeah. There are other times I'll get a portrait of you smiling, but mm-hmm. I don't know what you're going through in your life. What could be the worst times? Yeah, could be the worst times. Mm. So uh, there's that way that portraits lie. Mm. <laughs> uh, Talking as somebody who's in charge, I mean, not in charge, but you, you are the one taking the photos. And photo, photos lie sometimes. How yeah. do we tell? How are we supposed to, like, what are you advising us to do so that we can be able to have more discernment? Read the story. Read the story. Yeah, read the story. Uh, yeah, so a, a, a good documentary photographer mm-hmm. will write the story of the subject. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so just read the story. Go a bit, we'll take yeah. that other step. And if you don't, if you feel that you need some closure, mm-hmm. ask the photographer. 
comment under the post, go to their DMs, send an email and ask them, <laughs> what did you mean when you said this? Just okay. uh, consume art wholeheartedly. <laughs> Don't let it uh, just there and saying, uh, this is a good photo. I think I like it. Or this is a good caption. I think I like it. No, if you need to find something more mm. to the story, comment under the post and ask, what do you mean by this? Why did you decide to caption this photo black and white? Keep the conversation going. You'll get more closure. Consume art. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. With your whole heart. Yeah. And your whole body, I would say. Ask the questions. <laughs> ask ask the questions. Ask the artist the question. Yeah. We, we From where I sit, we need these questions. You, for me, embody optimism. And I love it because you're young, you're encouraging, you're choosing to focus your lens on something that normal and i think we're in an age where normalcy is a little bit sidelined like you're taking photos of people just going about their business at their kiosk or at their church or on the pavement or in front of their house these are stories which are so normal but they humanize us and i think you're right social activism is knowing the more i get to know the next person, the more I think justice can be had. We assume people and then the less human they look, the more we can be able to do whatever it is with them. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time uh, we met, I, I quoted uh, something from Gugi's book and uh, uh-huh. Gugi uh, mm-hmm. Which book can you remember? Uh, Devil on the Cross. Uh-huh. So the thing was that the dangers of modern Arambe. Ooh, tell us. What did uh, you say? Uh, do I really remember the, what the conversation <laughs> was? But no, but, uh, but Gugi agrees. Uh-huh. The dangers of modern Arambe uh, put simply as, if it's not happening to me or my close relative, mm. it doesn't really affect me. Mm-hmm. So it has to hit close to home before I can react. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I believe, tell, now coming back to telling these kind of stories, I've always photographed strangers, talked about uh, why they were they were in jail for, for something they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I believe uh, if if things are not right, mm-hmm. my dad might, might be the next person. Mm-hmm. My mama might be the next person. My sisters and my close friends. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm not used to telling those kind of stories, uh, when it hits home, how will I react? So unfortunately, again, for mm. we, we are in a society where people are very reactive. Uh, What's reactive? Uh, people, people don't. People are always easy to jump on stuff mm-hmm. without uh, looking uh, at the other angles to the story. Mm. So if if something is close to home, I will be very quick to to say what I think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, people should be very proactive. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? Uh, proactive uh, is it's uh, now mm. what we are saying. Let's dissect the story before mm-hmm. we act. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, before we make a, yeah, yeah, before. a decision. And, about uh, yeah, and that comes now back to dangers of a single story. Mm. <laughs> we only consume it in one dimension. Wow. Yeah, so I, I believe before you act, at least uh, have, have, have something uh, on top of what you know. And for me, that has been photography because photography has been an expansion in thought. Mm. Every single time I go out to photograph an individual, do a story, mm. I've always had to do my research. I've mm. always had to read. Uh, I was showing you uh, images of a lady with vitiligo mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I photographed. Before I went to mm-hmm. do the photographs, I had to read something about vitiligo. Wow. I had to know how I will react when I'm with her. Because whatever she told me uh, during the session were a bit disturbing. So mm-hmm. if I didn't have the context, I'd have acted the same way uh, strangers acted around her. Mm-hmm. But at least through photography now, it has always expanded my thoughts mm-hmm. and maybe put me in a position where I will have to think as the subject, think how my words will affect the subject before I can say them. Uh, so I'm always contained, <laughs> mm-hmm. guarded, and uh, let you tell your story before I can now come in and tell it how I want it to be told. Mm. Um, yeah, I, sadly, we have to wrap this up. Thanks so much, Jeremy. I think I think um, it's the gentleness of your activism, activism that I, I hope resonates a lot with our listeners because... We don't always have to amanda mana in the streets. We can amanda mana with our passions, just being ourselves. And that's what I'm learning and I'm yeah. appreciating and I'm, yeah. I'm thankful <laughs> that I got to uh, come across you because I get to take that away as well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I, I live here as an activist or an activist. <laughs> oh, an art, activist, both of them. Yeah, <laughs> Me, yeah, I've... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've joined the church of Jeremy's <laughs> activism. <laughs> no, it's not gospel truth, unfortunately. <laughs> Accepted. Yeah, so uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I never really thought that uh, someday I'll be <laughs> in a podcast. <laughs> uh, just like I said, uh, I've never really thought that people uh, dig into my not so interesting thoughts. Because <laughs> ah. sometimes... Uh, I think I show a lot of uh, catharsis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I show a lot of emotions mm-hmm. with my art. If if you really read what what I do, but uh, I believe uh, I find humanity through that. Mm-hmm. If I, I've always said that when we are happy, uh, the happiness and the joy is universal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then now, when you go home, the grief is yours to carry. Mm-hmm. So uh, the heaviness of the shoulder is felt by yourself. Uh, so uh, I, I use my art and uh, I'd encourage other people to use their art to let out and speak their emotions. Uh, that which makes you uh, uncomfortable at the same time, kindly speak it out. Uh, regardless of the medium you use as, as an artist, if you're a writer, if you're a podcaster, that which makes you uncomfortable, kindly speak it out. <laughs> you don't have to schedule uh, your grief, your emotions mm. and everything because... Uh, the best artworks that have always been put out are ones that were put from a place of emotions. Wow. And by emotions, I don't necessarily mean that they are not happy ones. 
yeah, there are some times that you are really happy and you need to communicate. Kindly do so because uh, we need a lot of people. We, we need, uh, I have, I say that it's creating empathy and cultivating empathy through art. Mm. So if we, we are in a position to do that, a lot of people, uh, I think I told you earlier that mm. we go through the same, the same stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, universally and people think that they are on their own. Yeah. Yeah. But when you read a story about someone struggling with their existence, now you feel home to yourself again. Mm. When you read a story about someone that uh, is happy to have achieved uh, the smallest uh, of wins in their lives, mm-hmm. now you feel that, ah, I think this world is a, is a village now. Yeah. So uh, just keep on shining your light. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing uh, I'd say. It remind me of a song. <laughs> so you continue letting that shine, especially as a man being open with your emotions like this, as a young man and willing to be vulnerable with us like this. Well, I just hope that um, you become continue trail trailblazing in that way. And I think it's only a positive outcome if more people engage in this way with each other. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Jeremy. And um, with that, we come to the end of today's show. Um, Jeremy, how can we contact you just for those people who would like to see a little bit more of your work? And you had an exhibition coming up? Yeah, uh, yeah we do have an exhibition uh, two months from now, July 29th. So uh, the exhibition uh, will be called Everyday Life Photo mm-hmm. Exhibition. Uh, works from five different photographers uh, interpreting everyday life uh, in their own way. At least you, you get to, to see what everyday life means by five different people. Wow. Uh, so we have the date set out to for 29th July. So the event is free, but you will have to RSVP. Okay. And then... Uh, yeah, everything is up on the poster. <laughs> okay. We'll make sure that the details are on the show notes. Uh, so so most of my work uh, is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And my Insta Instagram handle is Sajere. So S-I-R mm-hmm. dot mm-hmm. J-E-R-E-E. Sa.jere. Yeah. Oh, that's the handle. That's the handle. Okay. Yeah. Great. Are you on Twitter? Yeah, I want Twitter. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Onyango Jeremy. Onyango Jeremy on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be looking out for that as well as for your show. And we'll put that, the notes on the description. Sure. Okay. Thanks so much. And that's today's episode of the Tulizane podcast. See you again next time. <laughs>